today with lifted hands give everything up because he is worth everything you have if you have your copy of god's word i would love for you to turn to the book of second timothy we're going to enter chapter two today and uh those of you who need to go to the nursery go ahead and take your children to the nursery area it's great the meditations of a disciple this uh this part of chapter 2 is very, very practical and very, very illustrated or illustration-driven. But we need to think about this long and hard because it's one of the things we need to do and concentrate on. So I'm going to read this passage and then we'll kind of dissect it and work through it. 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting with verse 1. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be first to get a share of the crops. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Let's pray. Father, it is your word that we want to honor this morning, and it is your word we want to apply to our own souls. So guide us, Father. Direct us. Give us in, in wisdom and instruction. Help us see in our own hearts and lives things we need to root out, things we need to add to our life because you've called us to serve you in a mighty, mighty way. And we may, may we do that as a result of these words this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. <clears throat> as I've watched on the news lately, there's a lot of chaos out there. There's a lot of angry mobs out there. But one of the things that seems to persist in all of those situations, regardless of what the issue is, seems to be that there has been no discipline to investigate the background, the facts, the truth, the history. People are upset about things that they think. In other words, ignorance. Ignorance. Ignorance is not a negative term necessarily. It's just the absence of knowledge. And we're guilty too as Christians. We are. Not in regards to secular issues outside this building, but in regard to our faith, in regard to the Christian context of how we live our life, we have been a little ignorant. And we've talked about that before, but many today who profess faith in Jesus, they know very little about Jesus. They really don't understand. And so we, we get shows like The Chosen and we get shows like and commercials like Jesus Gets Us. And, and some of those things are really nice and they're friendly sounding, but they're not the real Jesus. God's word, and it's our master's message, is given for our education and edification. It's meant to teach us and embolden us to be disciples for Christ, and it's time for us to get busy learning it. So, Paul is writing his last letter, 2 Timothy, that he ever writes. He's a few months probably out from his own death, and he turns his attention from being unashamed of the gospel in chapter 1 and unashamed of suffering and unashamed of Paul, to now he wants him to 
be deliberate about discipleship, deliberate about keeping the message going, because that's the whole reason Paul is preaching. He commands Timothy to do what he's been doing since Acts chapter 9 when he got converted, telling other people about the wonderful news of Jesus Christ. So Paul instructs Timothy to disciple people who will disciple others, who will disciple others and disciple others, and you can keep seeing how it goes. And what the level of effort is required to do this. He gives, he gives what to do, and then he gives some examples of how to go about it. And we're called to this same thing. We're called to learn it and to pass it on, to teach it, to infuse it into people's lives. The truths of Christ, we need to be tenacious about it. So we want to give it to others who will repeat the process. And that's what Paul's calling us, God's calling us through Paul's words, calling us to do. So what does God expect from us to spread the truth of eternal life? Well, I can tell you, God gives us in this scripture three actions, which we're supposed to do, kind of meditate on them and move forward in them as, as disciples of Christ, to spread the truth of eternal life and the gospel to the world. The first one is to duplicate the message. Without the message, we have nothing to say. Without the message, we have nothing to do. Verses 1 and 2, listen to what he says. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. What you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. There's two things in here I want to point out. Paul continues his intimate conversation, really. He's, he's sharing with Timothy, his son in the faith, but he's really sharing with the church at Ephesus and now with us. He encourages him to be strong. And Timothy, and he says this in many different times in many ways in this last letter. But the only way, the only way Timothy can endure suffering, the only way that he can embrace the hardship that he's already been told to embrace, the only way he can hold the truth and guard the truth and speak the truth and rekindle that fire in him and all that stay true to the gospel, the only way is by the grace of God Almighty. Continue in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's the only way. Grace alone. Grace gives us the freedom and gives Timothy the freedom to get back into the fight no matter what happened. No matter what happened. Get back in the fight. Don't let fear, and of course remember, this is the context of this is Nero is on a rampage to persecute Christians. He is burning them alive. He is crucifying them. He is, he is torturing them. And, and Romans all over the Roman Empire are doing the same thing. But grace opens the door to share the gospel. Grace gives the necessary resources we need to share our faith. Grace reveals the pathway to follow. So many times, grace shows up at the right time. And so the message of the master is truth. It's simple. Believe in Jesus Christ, and you will be saved from your sins and forgiven by God Almighty, and you'll go to heaven. It's really simple, but it offends so many people. But grace gives the avenues and the means by which we can share and which Timothy can share. And it gives the results when it is shared. It's all of grace. We don't have to make it happen. It's up, up to God. So it's all of God. And grace is God's gift. It's his decision to give it. It's not ours. We can't coerce it out of him. It's his decision, his provision for the believer to share the truth of the gospel you got to let that sink in a little bit. It's all of grace because what he says next can't be done on your own strength, can't be done in your own effort, your own talents, your own ability. I don't care who you are, if you're Billy Graham or me. It doesn't matter. It's all of grace. And then Paul tells him to do what 
would take that grace and this invaluable, immeasurable grace of God and tell others. Repeat what Paul said to Timothy. Repeat what Timothy had heard him say so many times. See, Timothy's been with him for over 20 years now. From Lystra all the way through all the first imprisonment and everything, Timothy has known and listened to Paul for 20 years. So Timothy, take this message and repeat it. Give the same message to people who will repeat it, to people who will repeat it, to people who will repeat it. That's the whole point of Christianity. That's what Jesus left us with. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Paul is stressing, and, and, and in Timothy's context, he's saying, find men who want to be pastors and elders. Okay, that's, that's the context that Timothy's in right there. And share the messaging and help them teach it. Faithful men who can be trusted to not change the message. <laughs> we can't change the message. To repeat it verbatim, exactly as Jesus taught it. But in today's context, God wants us to duplicate Jesus' message and method of telling others to tell others. He wants disciples that make disciples. That's what Jesus told us to do in Matthew 28. So what are the qualifications to do this? Well, I'm glad you asked. First of all, you've got to be born again. You've got to be saved. You've got to know that your sins are forgiven by the grace and, and blood of Jesus Christ. That's the first thing. I think we got a lot of people out there who thinks they're sharing the grace and the gospel of Jesus Christ, but they're not even born again. I'm not judging. I'm just saying. Some of the actions and some of the things they say. The second thing is you've got to know the gospel truth from God's word, not someone else's idea of what salvation is. And, we, and if you get out there and, and start witnessing people, you'll find people have ideas about how this is supposed to work. You know, God is love. Well, they think that everybody's going to get to go to heaven. Well, what about Jesus? What about his death on the cross? You know, they don't have that. You've got to know that. You've got to know that. And that's why reading your Bible is so important. The third thing is that you've got to possess some means of communicating, like a mouth. But I know people all over the world right now that are using sign language to communicate the gospel because there are a lot of deaf people out there that need to know Jesus. We've got to have some way to tell it. We can tell it by teaching we can tell it by instructing. We can tell it by mentoring, discipling them to repeat the gospel message. There's, it's not really a difficult thing. It's just we got to do it. We need to be doing it. And that's what Paul is serious about. He's serious about duplicating the message of Jesus. Nothing more or less the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. That's what we're supposed to be sharing. I mean, Paul devoted his whole life to this. In Colossians, he wrote to the Colossians and he said in chapter 1, verses 28 to 29, he said this, we proclaim him, Jesus, and we proclaim him so that we may present everyone perfect, complete in Christ Jesus. And he says, to this end, I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. It was all Paul's life. Once he was saved in, in, on the Damascus Road, it was all he talked about. It was all he focused on, getting the gospel out. We like, I mean, you see billboards all the time. But I, I, was, I was thought of one this week that really changed a lot of things. So Chick-fil-A came out with a, a billboard many years ago. And the billboard, big letters, big black misspelled words, Letters, eat more chicken. Eat more chicken. And it moved them from an a, a isolated little fast food restaurant that wasn't in very many towns. It usually was in the mall at a food court. 
Moved them to standalone stores and just all over the country. I, you can't, Omaha didn't have one when we lived there. And when it showed up, whew, it was always a line around the building. But, but the thing that moved them from a million-dollar company to a billion-dollar company was when they got those cows to stand up on that billboard and put the sign up there, eat more chicken. They created a football game just for Chick-fil-A so cows could stand on the field with a flag, run across the field, say, eat more chicken. It's crazy, but it worked. You and I need to be a billboard for Jesus. And we need to say, Jesus saves sinners. That needs to be the testimony and the words on our life. That's our billboard. Be a billboard and don't just say it. Act like you believe it. Don't just wear it like on your cap or we got all kinds of Christian paraphernalia we put on. We need to be vocalizing it. The word of God goes by the word of our mouth. So let's talk about applying this, these first two verses. First of all, in verse 1, are you strong in the grace of Christ Jesus? Are you strong in the grace of Christ Jesus? See, grace is not just about salvation. See, we've, we've, we've relegated it to that. Oh, I'm saved. You know, I'm once saved, always saved. I'm saved, I'm saved. I got fire insurance, not going to hell. Grace is, is that's the initiation of grace. To save your soul from, from hell. Grace is really about living this life all the time here. You're just initiated at salvation. Now you're called to live it. How would you know you're strong in the grace of Christ Jesus? How would you know that? I'm going to tell you how you know. Paul tells us here. Here's some signs and traits of how you know you're born again and you're strong in the grace. You know the truth of the gospel. You know it. You know it. You've heard it. And you repeat it. That's how we know if we're living a life that's strong in the grace of God. Because the grace of God says it doesn't matter what people think of you. It doesn't matter what they say to your message. You have no obligation to convince them. You're, you're just in marketing. You're not even in sales. You don't have to close the deal. Just tell them and let God do the rest. Tell others. Repeat the message. Give the same message. Paul is wanting us to, to take the things we've heard. You know the doctrines of our faith. You've been, if you've been in church for a long time, you've probably heard. You've heard them from me, I hope. I've been trying to t teach them. So many preachers and teachers, so many Bible lessons over the years, you have heard the message. All you got to do is repeat it. Get it out there. Entrust it. Invest it. Deposit it. Teach it to others. Teach it to others. Obviously, as much as they'll let you teach them. And encourage them to teach others. That's the whole point of this. See, grace, grace strength is the only way we can do this. I can't do this every, every week if it wasn't for the grace of God. I'm an introvert, by the way. <laughs> Standing in front of a group of people and proclaiming the word of God to them is, is a passion, but it's not something that comes natural. Are you strong in the grace of Jesus Christ? If so, you should be passing on the word of God, these precious truths. Now, if you feel unqualified or think you're not able, you would not be able if you weren't living in the grace of Christ. You are unqualified if you're not living that way. If you think you're qualified but you haven't been passing it on, 
you are not strong in the grace of Christ. See, the strength in the grace of Jesus Christ is meant to be used to duplicate the message. It's not just to get you into the gates of heaven. It does. But if he left you here, he left you here with a purpose. Grace in Jesus Christ makes you, your life a billboard, and hopefully a good one, for one simple truth. Jesus saves sinners. And grace that saves your soul must, by God's design, strengthen you to share and teach Jesus. That's what we're here for. So first of all, he's, first meditation he talks about is that we need to duplicate the message. A disciple needs to duplicate the message. Next, we must serve the message with tenacity and passion, no matter what comes our way. Devote yourself to the master's message. Listen to these illustrations Paul gives Timothy. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. He seeks to please the commanding officer. Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer ought to be the first to get a share of the crops. See those three examples there? Devotion calls for sacrifice. It calls for commitment. It calls for keeping one's word. And Paul gives three examples of these. Paul returns to the command, share or embrace or join in the sufferings. He's been saying that all in chapter 1. If you haven't been here, he's encouraged Timothy, hey, embrace the sufferings, share in them. Don't run from them. Don't hide from them. They're coming. Share in them. So he starts with that. And really, honestly, for a believer, there's no better place to be than suffering for the cause of Christ. I don't, I'm not telling you to go out and look for it, okay? I don't, I don't want you to be sadistic about it. I just want you to think about it because there's going to be suffering. So first of all, to help us understand this, he gives three, for three examples. First, he says, it's like a soldier in a fight, like a soldier in a battle. It's scary, it's unpredictable, and it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. But as a soldier of Jesus Christ, who knows how the war will end? You know how this ends, right? We win, right? You might want to tell your face every once in a while. We win. We win. So as a soldier fighting in this fight, you know when the war's done, I'm waving the, the banner of victory. It changes everything, how we approach it. It makes a big difference when one knows the outcome of the conflict. Churchill seemed to know they were going to win the Battle of Britain in 39. They, he, he seemed to know. He, he, pre, he spoke with such confidence, such assurance. I don't think he knew, but he was guaranteeing it wasn't going to be because he wasn't positive about it. We need to be that way. A soldier must not get involved in civil affairs, in the distractions of the world. And Christians are called to the same mindset. We need to please the commander, do the mission, fulfill the duty. And who's your commander? I hope it's God. If it's anybody else, anything else that you're being allegiant to, you need to get that right. Because he's the one that enlisted us. This word for commander here actually means the one who enlisted you, the one who elected you, the one who called you. Soldiers willing to die for the cause. That's what he calls us for. But die a physical death. Our spiritual life is secure in Jesus Christ. Christians are called to die to our self-preservation. We're so worried about what it's going to do to our life. 
We need to be devoted to the fight for the truth of the gospel at any cost with all the resources that we have. So that's the soldier metaphor. But next, Paul goes to an athlete. I don't know how many of you were athletes before. I did it a little while in high school. He's thinking of the Olympic Games, and we know Olympics are coming up this summer, the Olympics, and we know those athletes train hard. They train deliberately. They train meticulously. But they will not receive a crown. They will not receive a medal. They will not receive any honor if they break the rules. I mean, we've already seen some of it. They're using performance-enhancing drugs, and they're already being disqualified from the Olympics. You've got to obey the rules. You can't cheat. And Paul implores Timothy to be very meticulous how he relays the master's message. Make sure he's doing it correctly. Train for it. Because you know you're going to win, right? I'm going back to that again. You're going to win the race. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you know you win, so tell the message. There's no reward out there for hypocrites. There's no reward for false teachers. There's no reward for fake Christians. You can't pretend your way into heaven. God's word is very specific. We need to follow it. We need to believe it. We need to devote ourselves to knowing it well. It's amazing the rules in in the game of golf. I don't know half of them. But the players that play for money, they know them. And they have to know them. Because it's really easy by yourself out there to get disqualified. Next, he picks up the farmer, the farmer, the hardworking farmer. I guess we can all probably identify with that a little bit living around here. He reaps a crop because of his diligence and his patience. You plant the seed and you just wait till it grows and then you harvest it. There's a lot of patience involved in farming. In devoting ourselves to passing on the gospel, it's hard work. But a share of the fruit always awaits us. A share of the fruit awaits us. I've never met a farmer that says it's easy. I think he's lying if he does. Even with all the tech that's out there, I've been watching some videos and stuff. It's like, there's tech. You don't have to drive the tractor. The tractor will stay in its rows and plant the seeds and harvest the seeds and plow the, the, the field. It's all great. There's great technology out there, but it's still hard work because it's long hours and, and you have to stay with it all the, all the way. A farmer is either devoted or bankrupt. And I think the Christian is the same life we have. We're either all in or we're ineffective. And you don't want to be an ineffective Christian. Trust me, you don't. Because there is a reward waiting. Devotion to the master's message requires the qualities of a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. Paul gives a fuller explanation in 1 Corinthians 9 about the athlete, and it was more about how hard it is to be a believer. Chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians, verses 22 through 27. He, he points out to them a devotion that's at all cost. It's a fuller explanation of this athlete part. 1 Corinthians 9, 22. To the weak, I became weak in order to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that I may, by every possible means, save some. Now I do all this because of the gospel, so that I may share in the blessings. Don't you know that runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. Now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown. But we... An imperishable crown. 
So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. You realize the word for discipline is, the root word for discipline is disciple. Just thought I'd point that out. That's free. Doesn't cost you anything extra. I got another example. You may have heard this before. The pig and the chicken were in the barnyard one day and they were talking about wanting to do something to honor the farmer. He takes care of them. He feeds them. He, he always makes sure they got plenty of hay in their barn to, to, for the winter. So the, the chicken says, let's provide breakfast for him. I'll lay the eggs. You bring the bacon. Donation versus commitment. That's what it's about. Devotion versus just a contribution. Which are we? Are we the pig or the chicken? Sometimes we, I think we're a lot, we like being the chicken. William Tyndall was charged with heresy, was charged by the by the church in Rome for heretical translating of the Bible into English. And when he was finally ambushed and captured and brought back to England, he was put to death. He was burned at the stake. He was definitely more in the pig realm. But as he was dying on that fire... He prayed, and he said, Lord, open the eyes of the king of England. What's interesting is not even hardly five years later, the king of England relented and let the Bible be published in English. It's a sad story, but he was willing and devoted to getting the gospel message out. So there's some questions in these examples we need to answer. First of all, what does suffering have for a believer? What does it do for us? Can you face persecution for Jesus? It keeps us one from being disqualified, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9. It, imp it imprints your faith. It embosses your faith on your heart when you suffer for it, when you risk it all out there. It validates our message, too. No one's going to risk persecution and suffering if they don't really believe it. These examples, these metaphors, these, these meditations is how our devotion yields results because we embrace the suffering. Another question we need to ask is what pleases our commander? What makes God happy? You might think it's something grandiose. It's not. Faithful service. Being devoted to him. Faithful service. Following all that Christ taught and commanded. God calls us to his ways in all matters to be devoted to selfless service for him. That's what he calls us to. And he will reward us. He doesn't call us to act like the world or even sometimes the churches get a little too crazy ideas of what pleases God. But faithful service, faithfulness to God, and that includes repentance and confession because we're going to blow it. I know that may be newsflash for some of you, but we're going to mess up. But the grace of God forgives us, and we can start over. You know what God wants to say when you get there, well done? Jesus wants to say that to you. 
It's, it's not some lofty goal that he, he imagines as a few people saying. He wants to be able to say it to everyone. So ask yourself, how am I doing so far? Will God reward you a little or a lot? If we're devoted to the message, like these examples he gives here, if we're devoted to the master's message like this, then well done is in the bag. Because that's what he's asking us to do. Be devoted to it. Get it out there. The other question we need to answer here is what rules does he talk about when he's talking about the athlete? Well, once our faith is received and placed in Jesus Christ, then we have a new set of guidelines. Not to oppress us, not to steal your fun, as some people think. The Bible gives us rule. It gives us guidance. It gives us freedom. Freedom from the worldly snares. Freedom from the things that are going to hurt us. If you follow his word, you still may have some problems, but if you start chasing sin, you're going to have more. Do you see the Bible as a killjoy? I hope not. The Bible, God's loving word, is meant to give you joy and to kill eternal death. The other question we want to ask is, what is the share of crops that he talks about with the farmer? Well, it's blessings. Blessings of seeing people come to faith in Christ. It's a wonderful thing to watch that. Wonderful thing to see people get baptized. It's also wonderful to see people's faith mature, to grow in Christ, to make good judgment, good decisions, exercise that wisdom in how they relate to their family, how they relate to each other. It's good to see a body of believers of all kinds of walks of life come together and unite to serve God, to do wonderful things like give money to a, a home to help pregnant women see the size of the blessing really doesn't matter it's really not it's really not about size as as we think it'll be everything you need and it'll be just right as goldilocks says it'll be just right it may be like the manna that the children of israel received in the wilderness they never had too much they never had too little every day they gathered enough and it was just enough so we need to be devoted to god's truth our master's message is life and peace and eternal security. Devote yourself to it. And we come to the third point. Du duplicating the master's message comes from devotion to the message. And when that happens, it doesn't happen without you depending on the message, okay? It's not like you've just got this message you've got to take to somebody. You've got to depend on the message of grace that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Depend on the master's message. Verse 7, let me read that for us. Consider what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. That's a wonderful promise. I don't have to figure this out. I don't have to crunch my head in, into some sort of a distortion. Paul wraps up this meditation for disciples to think. He says, just think, consider, ponder, think, meditate on the call to duplicate and devote oneself to the gospel. The Greek word actually means think it over with care. When you see that word consider, think it over with care. Take, it, take serious note over it. Give careful thought to it. Give careful thought to the word of God. But you want to notice one thing about that careful thinking. That careful thinking isn't just our ability to carefully think. We can't illuminate the message to ourselves. We need help. We need help. How? 
Well, he does so by the counsel of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is what illuminates the message to us. And Paul gives us a very, very good principle because the Holy Spirit lives in you as a believer, okay? I hope that's not new information for you, but we have the, the Holy Spirit living in us. But here's the principle that Paul gives here. Time plus thought plus the Holy Spirit equals wisdom. Take time, think about it, ask the Holy Spirit to illustrate it and illuminate it to you, and in time you'll gain wisdom. That's how it happens. It's not really that complicated. We just won't take the time. We just won't give it the thought. Understanding God's truth, the master's message, comes by taking time to consider so that the Spirit can enlighten you. I've heard testimonies from lots of you. I was reading a passage that I had read many times before, and now it means something more, or it, it, some application came out of it. That's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. He does that. He does that. I've read the Bible through for 10 years every year. And every time I come up to the song, I was like, I don't remember that being in there. When they put that in there? It was always there. And now the Holy Spirit is making me see it and making me understand it. But here's how we know that it's difficult truths to understand. And Paul tells Timothy to pause and ponder. But Here's one thing we need to understand. The message, the gospel message, starts with this fact first. Humans cannot save themselves. Humans cannot make themselves right with God. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit, because that's where the Holy Spirit starts working us. We need total redemption by a Savior. We are completely helpless to make our hearts right with God, to be forgiven. Knowing that starts the whole process. Once you accept that part, Jesus saves your soul when you ask him to forgive you. A new heart is given to you, and the Holy Spirit comes inside. Now you've got the complete package. And then after salvation, discipleship is supposed to take place, learning and growing in the knowledge of, of truth that is in Christ Jesus. We have Bible study after this. That's one place to start learning. We have discipleship groups forming. The master's message becomes clear by the Holy Spirit through word, prayer, and time. Paul says to Timothy, wait on God to give you full understanding of everything. You notice he didn't say some things. He said everything. Maybe everything in that paragraph, but I think Paul knows that God can give him understanding into everything that he may have a question about in time as he waits. And like I said, the best part's everything's going to be made clear. That is a glorious promise to us as believers. You can understand the Bible. You can. We need to depend on it. We need to lean into it. We need to trust it. We need to invest in it. We need to rely on the master's message to enjoy its fullest meaning. So many of our confusion in our, our life would be so much smoother if we knew that we just need to give it a little more time. In Philippians 3, 15 through 16, Paul's writing to the Philippians, from prison in Rome, actually, his first imprisonment in Rome. And he says to them, all of us who are mature should think on these things this way. But if on something you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we've already obtained. See, sometimes we don't get any more information or knowledge from our Bible because we're not living up to what we already know about our Bible. We're not living it to its fullest. 
We need to live out what's known, to be mature in the process. Anybody love a good mystery, good mystery novel like Sherlock Holmes, Ellery Queen? Anybody know who Ellery Queen is? My mom was into mysteries. You like that mystery, right? Hercule Perot, the National Treasure movies, those are all great. But there's always in those situations one component, one key, one little clue that you need to unlock the truth, to unlock the guilty one, to find out where the treasure is and to discover what's actually there. Well, it's the same thing with God's Word. There's a mystery to God's Word. It, it's not plain English, and, and I know philosophy professors who have read the entire Bible, and they don't believe in Jesus because they don't have the Holy Spirit because they've not been, it's not been illuminated to them. We discover parts, we discover doctrines over time with the Holy Spirit's assistance. That's the clue. The Holy Spirit, time, and some thought. And, of course, reading it, praying on it, meditating on it. I get asked this question a lot. Why is the Bible so hard to understand? Usually when I ask them where they're reading, they're in Leviticus. I go, well, there's a reason. <laughs> or they're in one of the minor prophets. Well, that's going to take a little more explanation. But the Bible is not hard to understand. But what it takes to learn the Bible well is time, reading it, the Holy Spirit. In this formula of time, reading it, or of time, thought, and the Holy Spirit to equal biblical wisdom, there's two assumptions. First of all, you're born again. <laughs> That's the first assumption. You've got the Holy Spirit living in you. That's the first assumption in this. The second is you've got to read your Bible. You've got to pick it up and read it. It's not just going to be poured into your brain. You've got to spend time in it. You've got to give it some thought. The sovereignty of God rules this process, okay? He's going to decide how much you can handle. He's going to decide what you can understand. And he's going to do it in his good time, in his good pleasure, not ours. So we've got to wait on him. But while you're waiting, read your Bible. You must read it repetitively. I understand the Old Testament is hard to understand. Read the New Testament. We, we need to read it to have even a glimpse of spiritual wisdom from God. I mean, Jesus makes it very clear in John 14 and Romans 8 that the Holy Spirit is necessary for us to understand. But you still got to read it. He's not going to just impart it. You got to mull it over. I hope you don't think that the preacher is going to give you everything you need to know because that's too big of a task, okay? I'm trying, but are you relying on some other teacher, some TV preacher, some other thing to get it all instead of reading your Bible? You've got to invest some personal things. If you come here once a week expecting to walk out of here with what you need for the week, one hour out of 168 is not enough. You've got to constantly be investing in it. I preach here to whet your appetite. I preach here to, to encourage your own discipline in seeking God and to push us to obey Jesus. But it means little if the Holy Spirit isn't revealing it to you. It means very little. So, on the back table, there's an article. Ten things you need to know about the Holy Spirit. It just came through my email this week while I was preparing this lesson. It's kind of appropriate. Once again, the Holy Spirit at work. Pick up one. We all are called to depend on the eternal message of Jesus Christ. We're called to do that. 
all 66 books. So start in the New Testament. Read them. Try to find out more information. I want to sum it up a little bit by the fact that Paul insists that discipleship is very important and, and these meditations are what a disciple should be applying in their heart. Duplicate the message. Devote yourself to it and depend on it. He's not left us out here to do this on our own. He's not dropped us in the middle of the Congo and said, just go out there and do it. You know, good luck. He's with us. And God calls us to invest in these meditations for the Christian life. You can't grow in Christ if you don't know Christ's message. You can't. I mean, you may think you know it. And you know some of it, maybe. But you can know so much more. Some of the things I get asked are like, wow, where, where, where did that come from? But they haven't read their Bible. So, beloved, I'm asking you to, that, and telling you that suffering will come. It, it may be closer than we think. Persecution may be around the corner. The pandemic revealed a little bit when, when it was going on of how they targeted churches in certain areas. I'm not trying to scare you. But there are places where our faith is being challenged, even in the United States. And so we need to get stronger. We need to be fearless. We need to discipline our heart and our life to our master's message because our message is always love. Even in the harshest environments, even in the chaos of the riots, our message is always love. Turning the other cheek. Going the extra mile. telling them that there's only one way to be right with God. If you want to know more, get engaged in discipleship. Groups are forming. We haven't gotten started down the road too far, but if you want to do that, if groups scare you, there's one-on-one -on -one discipleship available. Just come see me about it. We'll, we'll talk. We'll find out a way to do it. But that's why I'm here. I am devoted to duplicating this message in everybody's heart because I want, I want to leave here with people knowing the message of Jesus Christ better. And I hope you'll join me in doing that. As believers, our life in Christ calls us to meditate on his truth and broadcast his message. So tell someone about Jesus. Tell them that he forgives sins. Tell them that he gives them abundant life. And if you don't know how to explain it to them, well, that's why you need to know more about your Bible. If you want to become a full partner of our church, come talk to me. I'd love to explain the process we go through here. We would love to have you join us. Now, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you can. He wants to save you. He desires to see people repent and come to faith in him. And by faith, that means trusting in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. That he paid for us to pay our death sentence for our sins. He wants to save you. He didn't do it just to do it, to show off. When you believe that without reservation, when you believe that with conviction, he'll change your heart and give you the Holy Spirit. And then you can understand even more of the Bible. So repent, turn away from everything you've been trusting in, and hold on to Jesus. If you want to do that, come see me. Come talk to me about that. So we're going to pray now. We're going to take some time of pastoral prayer to pray over these truths. And ask Jesus for help in our own hearts. I'll pray silently for a little while and then I'll close us out. If you want to pray to Jesus for forgiveness of your sins, you can come to the front and do that. You can do it where you're sitting. 
If you want to help me to help you, come talk to me. Come up front. We'll, we'll gladly work through it together. But let's pray silently together now. And then after a couple minutes, I'll close this out. Let's pray.